or said, Pastor, when you come to that point where you have to preach, you know, to the, when you have to speak to the men, because in the, in the Russian wedding, the, the person doing the wedding, he has to, you know, he, it's not like a two-minute thing. He has to talk for like an hour, you know, give a little bit of advice. And so I said, Pastor, when you come to the moment and you speak to the men about, you know, uh, loving the wife and taking care of her and, and treating her and, and, and doing everything for her, just kind of, here's $100 and just kind of skip that, you know. <laughs> and so the pastor was like, cool, I'll, you know, I'll do that. And so the day of the wedding comes and my pastor, he gets up and me and my wife are standing there. I mean, my future wife, Tanya, we're standing there and... And then pastor gets going and he, and he starts talking to me and he's like, you got to bring your breakfast to bed. I mean, you got to do everything. And so I lean to my pastor. I said, pastor, what about the $100? What about that promise? Pastor leans back to me and says, she made a better offer. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Time to preach. Uh, uh, one more thing. With our youth, we want to do a, a, a fundraiser. Uh, we do have some things, some events that are coming up. And for this fundraiser, we have ordered World's Finest Chocolate Candy Bars. These are, these are good, these are great, and they're only a dollar. Now, we have uh, four types. We have almond, uh, waffle crisp, we have milk chocolate, caramel, and dark almond. And they're only a dollar each. They're good today. They're even cold. And so uh, after church, they're going to be available. Uh, and I want to ask you, we have like 20 boxes of these. If you, uh, if you can take a box to work with you and just offer it during lunch to your workers, and then, you know, whatever you sell, sell and then bring it back, we would be grateful. So if you can do that, we have the boxes in the fridge today. It, it's exciting. And, and then if you're like... If you're in a household like me where my wife says, you know, I, you know, we got to make sure you don't put on weight, so no chocolate. So, you know, if you can't buy chocolate or eat chocolate, then, then what I would challenge you to do is, you know, see these guys right here? Like, this is what I'm going to do. Guys, I'm going to buy you chocolate bars today, okay, for your help during my message. And so after church, I'm going to give you a chocolate bar on me. Now, if, if you don't eat chocolate, that's what you got to do. Still buy some and give it to your neighbors. Give it to your grandkids, all right? They're only a dollar each, and we would appreciate it. The funds for this, uh, half a dollar goes straight to youth ministry. So if you can help us out, we have plenty of chocolate bars. How many all together, Brother Aaron? A thousand, a thousand chocolate candy bars. All right. So we have a thousand chocolate candy bars. That's, that's a lot. All right? That's a lot. All right. Uh, I'm going to try to end a little bit early today because Risha shows that if a preacher ends five minutes before, before he should... Then people stand around half an hour talking after church. But if a preacher goes over five minutes after church, everybody's in a hurry. Oh, we're late, we're late. So I want to end a little bit early today. My message today is called a seven-day church camp. As we enter, you know, October and November is a time of harvest and a time when we talk about Thanksgiving. And as we enter towards Thanksgiving and, and harvest, there's something in the scripture that reminds me, uh, uh, that reminds me of that, of that, uh, Celebration, Because the people of Israel, there was a time when three times during the year, the people of Israel would come together to Jerusalem, to the main city, to celebrate. One of those times was the Feast of the Tabernacle, or the Feast of Thanksgiving. Where everybody would come into all, all the people, everybody would come to Jerusalem to celebrate. And I want to read some scripture to you guys what happened during that celebration. Alright? First is Leviticus chapter 23 verse 39. It says this, Also on the fifteenth day of the seventh month, 
When you have gathered the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. So first of all, they celebrated this feast for seven days. Then verse 42, You shall dwell in tents for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in tents. That your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in tents when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. One more scripture is in, uh, is in Zechariah chapter 14, verses 16 through 18. This also says that it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of the tabernacles. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. If the family of Egypt will not come up and enter in, they shall have no rain. They shall receive the plague which with the Lord strikes the nations who do not come up to keep the feast of their tabernacle. So not only did God make a commandment and say, Israelites, this is it. When you come to celebrate one of those times, one out of the three, three times, when you come to celebrate the feast of the tabernacle, it is the time when you gather your fruits. This is what you have to do. You have to come for seven days. And when you come for these seven days, you're going to live in tents. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to invite some of these guys so you guys can kind of see visually what they were doing and, and why God was doing this. All right? So I'm going to invite some of these guys. This is a tent up here. And I'm going to invite these guys to sort of hang out here while I preach. All right? Hey, Greg, come on over here. Are you coming here, Greg? Come on. Now, make sure this doesn't fall. Now, now for you guys not to fall asleep, you guys can choose one chocolate bar each, all right? <laughs> Just one, all right? And, but make sure you listen to me through my message. All right. So, the picture I wanted to paint for you this morning is Israel, one time a year, would come to Jerusalem. And for seven days, the whole families, they would get inside a tent and they would spend that time in the tent. And then I'm pretty sure after a while, the kids enjoy the chocolate candy bar and they're having fun. And, and maybe uh, the first day is kind of full, cool, you know, you're sleeping in the tent. Who doesn't like camp? Everybody likes camp. The first day is kind of cool. But then after the second day, you wake up and, and the back starts to hurt a little bit, right? Because, you know, you're, you're, you don't have any mattresses, you're sleeping on the ground. And, and, and probably by the third day, I bet you some of the kids were saying, Mom, Dad, this is kind of weird. We have a nice home, we have a nice home you know, a house at home. And, and Mom and Dad, why, why is everybody sleeping in tents? And uh, during that time, the parents would turn to their kids and they would begin to tell their kids the story saying, Listen, son. Listen, daughter. There was a time when we were slaves in the land of Egypt. And God, by His mighty hand, brought us out of the land of Egypt. And He gave us this new land. We came out of Egypt having nothing. And, and we were broke. We were poor. We had nothing. And then they say, but listen, God's hand was with us. And we had a lot of enemies, but listen, God gave us the strength and we overcame our enemies. And so the, the reason, and they would explain to the kids, is the reason we want you guys, the reason we're doing this and living in this stance is, 
is to let you realize that God, you know, we had nothing, but God blessed us with everything. Before, all we had was a tent. And for 40 years, we would live in a tent. But now, God has given us a harvest. And we have homes. And we have crops. We have food. We have everything that we need for life. You see, the point of God making Israelites live in a tent for seven days is for them to remember the ways that God has brought them. The, the reason why God wanted them to live in a tent is to realize, hey, we do have it well off. Listen, we do need to be grateful. There was a time where there are people that don't have what we have. And so God would make them live in a tent. And then for the rest of the year, guess what they would do? Kids would come back home. And they would, when they would see their bed, they'd fall back on a nice mattress. And they'd say, oh, this is nice. And you know what? Yeah, they'd have some appreciation. When they get, get back into their homes... After living in the tent for seven days, you know, their prayers of thanksgiving would be a little bit of different, huh? They say, God, thank you for running water, you know, if they had running water. Or they say, God, thank you for a bed. God, thank you for stones. Thank you, Father, for warmth, because I'm pretty sure it got kind of cold maybe sometimes sleeping in the tent. But God would do it with the purpose that their hearts would remain grateful. Now this morning, my objective is not to make all of you and your families to make a point, to, to, to take a seven-day uh, church camp or seven-day family camp and live in a tent. That's not my idea. But what I want to do is today, I want to take you into the life of seven people who exist in this world today that maybe are going through something that you have not gone through. And my aim at the end of this service is that when we, when we look at our lives, the, the, the today's message would be something, something similar to what people will go through living in a tent for seven days. Today I want you to come out of this message and say, Lord, I am so grateful to what I have. Now, if you listen to the news these days, as Brother Don mentioned, you know, it's all gloom and doom. You know, this is, this is bad, everything's so, so, so bad, you know, it's, it's the worst it's ever been. Listen, folks, travel around the world a little bit. I, I've been to eight countries. And that's not a lot. But I've been to eight countries. I've seen. And what we have today, and, and, and just the lifestyle that we can afford to live, is, is nothing compared to the rest of the world. And so, I want to take you into the lives of seven people. I want to invite you to join me on this journey. The first people I want to ask, can we go to the next slide? The first people I want to, I want to take you is, is to some of the nations, especially in Africa. Famine and, and hunger is prevalent today in this world. For example, Niger is considered the world's second poorest country. 3.6 million people are in critical need of food today. Not maybe they were, but today, 3.6 million in Niger are in critical need of food. 800,000 children under the age of five are starving to death. Right? In Niger, when a man gets up early in the morning... Guess what his task is for that day? Today, when a, when a man in Niger wakes up, his main goal for that day is to go out and find water to bring back to his family. That's his main goal. And daily they get up and they walk for hours looking for water to bring back home. And if they want to find water, they come back home. And it's the same thing as you coming back today with a paycheck. Well, a husband for a good day, he comes home finding some water so they can have a drink. 
This happens in the world today. While we continue to sit back and watch TV and then lean back on a nice sofa and complain about this and that. And Niger people, men, their daily routine is to find some clean water. Our first day in a tent is I want you to realize that, you know what? We need to be grateful for the food that we have. We need to be grateful for the abundance of harvest that we have on our table. As we celebrate Thanksgiving and as we celebrate our Thanksgiving feast, I want you to remember to a day in the tent to where, and realize that, you know what? Not everybody has the luxury that you can afford to have. Having all the meats and having all, uh, you know, everything that you have on your table. I know working with immigrants, I know one family when they came to America, not, not to America, when they were moving from the former Soviet Union, they were going through Europe. And when they, when they, they came from the former Soviet Union, a friend of ours, they came from the former Soviet Union, they, they went to Europe, and they went to a grocery store in Europe, which is similar to America. When he looked at the, at the grocery store, he fainted. Listen, one of the greatest things that uh, when our family immigrated to America from the former Soviet Union, one of the first things that we were, that, that our, the people that greeted us, you know what they did? They brought us into a store. And guess what we did when we came into a regular resource? We would get cameras. We would, we would take pictures of, of the aisles of food because we've never seen something like that in our life. But in reality, we, in America today, we don't really realize that. That millions of people have never seen a resource before. Or the amount of food that you have in the resource, millions of people have not seen in their life. Because daily, all they're looking for is some clean water. Right? I want to take you, take you to a, a second group of people. We want to go to a second day in our tent. Millions of people today live with a disease called AIDS. Or they're impacted by AIDS. Monthly, the number of people that die from AIDS is the same number that died from the Asian tsunami. So you guys remember the big tsunami news, the million, thousands of people died. Well, the amount of people that died during that tsunami, that's how many people die monthly because of AIDS. In Africa alone, 12 million kids are orphaned because their parents died of AIDS. Every 30 seconds, two children are orphaned due to AIDS. This picture right here is a family of nine, and the, only, the, the, the person that's raising them is their grandma, because their parents have died due to AIDS. This is a picture that you can see all over Africa today. There are nations in Africa where 70% of the people are, 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 have HIV or AIDS in them. There are nations around the world, in the former Soviet Union especially, uh, AIDS is growing so fast that they're saying by 2020, uh, probably about 40% of the people are going to have AIDS or HIV positive. There are literally millions of people today that, that you know, in Africa, there are so many orphan kids. Why? Because their parents have died of AIDS. The, the, the average lifespan in Africa is less than 50 years old. In some of the countries in Africa, is less, less than 50 years old. Why? Because of AIDS. Millions of people daily, that's, that's the biggest thing on their mind. It's not, you know, uh, whether OU won the football game or not. I'm sorry, OU fans, go OSU and go Jenks. But... Millions of people, daily when they wake up, the, big, the biggest thing in their mind is, how, long are, how much longer are my parents still going to live? How much longer am I, I going to be able to provide for Am I going to have parents who are going to provide for me? 
There are thousands of, of 10, 12-year-old boys that are thinking, you know what, any day now, I'm going to be the head of the household. Because sooner or later, mom or dad, they're going to be dying due to AIDS. I just want us to realize living here in America, though there are families that, that have to deal with that, but with all the medications and everything that we have access to, you know, we can prolong the life a little bit longer. But just realize how grateful we need to be that, you know, we are not one of the millions of people that have to struggle with this on a daily basis. Right? I'll take you to day three. Earthquakes. There are areas in the world that have deeply, deeply been affected by earthquakes. Most recent and most deadliest earthquakes in the last hundred or so years. In Pakistan in 2005, there was an earthquake that killed 40,000 people. In China, about 25, 30 years ago, there was an earthquake that killed 255,000 people. In Turkmenistan, also uh, 50, uh, 60 years ago, killed 110,000 people. In Iran, 18 years ago, killed 50,000 people. Now when you look at these numbers, and, and I chose just some of the bigger earthquakes, you know when 255,000 people are killed, guess what, that affects the whole generation. Because when 255,000 people, people are killed, that means grandparents are killed, parents are killed, kids are killed. And that's a memory for a lifetime. There were kids whose parents died because of an earthquake. They're growing up orphaned. There were people that are, that, uh, just add these numbers together and then add all the other earthquakes that have happened recently. There are millions of people that have, that have suffered or continue to suffer because of an earthquake. I know in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we, we haven't had anything like that recently. I mean, I don't know your history, but I'm pretty sure there hasn't been any earthquakes here recently that we've been suffering. I don't know, maybe there is somebody here that, that has some relatives that have suffered because of an earthquake, but as far as I know, I, I don't know that many people that are, you know, daily have been affected because of an earthquake. At the same time, there are millions of people in this world today that have been affected because of earthquakes. And so as we remain in our tent today, I want you to realize and say in your spirit, Lord, I'm not one of those people that, that are suffering because, you know, my close friend or maybe my parent or maybe my sibling died because of an earthquake. Thank you that I have my family. Next day, a tsunami. This picture right here, I took this picture because uh, when the tsunami hit uh, the Asia, South Asia, uh, we, we had a chance with our team, that we, we got a team together and we went uh, to Sri Lanka and southern India and spent some time in the area that, that was hit by the tsunami. And we were able to get on an island, and you guys can see this is an island. This is a man on an island. On that island, there were about 3,500 people that lived there. When the, when the wave picked up, it was about 40, 50 feet high. It destroyed every house on that island, and not one person survived on that island. Well, because it was such a small island, this man, that morning when the tsunami hit, this man, uh, about a couple hours earlier, he left the island, you know, he got on his boat, he went, you know, over the island, he got on the land because he was working. As every man, he went to the marketplace to work. While he was in the marketplace to work, two hours later, that tsunami, the wave came and it destroyed his whole family, his wife, his kids, his parents, his brother. And when we came, it was three months after the tsunami, we came to this island. Guess what he was doing? We came on the island and he was sitting by the foundation of his home, just crying, three months later. As we began to talk to him, he, he took us 
And, and this is, he took us to the foundation of his home. He said, listen, my wife and my kids were here. Then he took us to the foundation of his parents' home. And he says, this is where my parents died. Then he took us to the foundation of his brothers and sisters' homes. And his neighbors, and he said, listen, everyone that I knew, everyone that, that I was affiliated with, they have all died. And the sad thing is that, that he doesn't know where their bodies are at. Because the wave picked them up so much that they, you know, they're still, months later, bodies would still come afloat into the beaches. Because they were taken away into the ocean. So he has, he, all he has left is this foundation. And though the tsunami happened just a couple years ago, thousands and millions of people are affected for the rest of their lives because of the tsunami. I don't think there's anybody here. Maybe there is. But as far as I know, everybody living in James, Oklahoma, there's probably not many that have been affected because of it. Maybe not many have lost a parent or a, or a child or a brother or a sister because of the tsunami. I want you to realize that there are thousands of people and millions of people that have lost loved ones, lost friends, lost family because of the tsunami. Right? Let's take you to another day. Hurricanes. Now maybe, maybe some of you have uh, know someone more closely associated with people who have suffered because of hurricanes, but hurricanes continue to impact thousands of families on a yearly basis. Hurricane Katrina, for example, was a $200 million billion worth of damage. 500,000 people were left homeless. And I want you to see on the left-hand left -hand corner, there's more and more hurricanes happening recently. From 1970 to 1994, there were seven hurricanes each year. From 1995 to 2004, there were 12 hurricanes each year. So they're starting to happen more and more frequently. And, and even the recent one in, in, in the Texas area, Hurricanes impact and affect lives all the time. Now, we living here in Tulsa, uh, maybe you've immigrated from an area, moved from an area that you know you were affected by a hurricane, but us, we really aren't that impacted by hurricanes. We really haven't lost our home, or our home hasn't been totally damaged or flooded because of a hurricane. When at the same time, thousands of people and thousands of families living in America lose their homes because of a hurricane. And so today as we spend our time in the tent, I hope there's somebody here saying, Lord, I am grateful. I am grateful. Ah, Lord, forgive me for complaining. Because you know what? I have a nice home to go back to. I, my home hasn't flooded. I haven't lost all my clothes and all my furniture. Father, I have what I need. As we continue to spend time in our tent, realize God has been good to us. God has been good to us. One more, well, two more, wars. Living in America, we haven't experienced war on, uh, besides September 11. We haven't really experienced war here amongst us. We don't have to worry that, you know, if we step out of here, there might, somebody might be, you know, there might be a bomb being dropped on us. But you know what? Thousands of people live in countries uh, that, that there's battle going on outside of their homes. In the last hundred years, 185 million people have died due to war. And the effects of war are just trenches. Look at this. Homelessness, orphan kids, closed down of schools, roads, stores, hospitals. There's fear, depression, and nightmares for, people's, for people living in areas of battle. You know, and there's, there's many countries today where battle continues to happen. 
including Iraq, including Afghanistan, and maybe you know, you know countries like like uh, Kosovo where they had recent conflicts, or Georgia, or areas all over the world where, or, or maybe areas somewhere in in in, in, um, in Africa where they're constantly having battle. We we were in Sri Lanka, and and in Sri Lanka they've had a civil war going on for about a hundred years. We would drive by and, and, and there will, there will be one, you know, a one booth of one type of soldiers and then we drive by an hour later or maybe 30 minutes later and there'd be a booth of different types of soldiers and they would constantly fight each other. People, when we were talking to people in Sri Lanka, they were always in fear of war breaking down, breaking up and uh, or starting in their own streets. You see, there's millions of people that continue to live daily worrying that, hey, maybe there's going to be a gunshot or, or a bomb right next to our house. Where, you know, I, I think most of us are, are pretty safe knowing that, you know, uh, there's not going to be a bomb being dropped in Jinx, Oklahoma, today or tomorrow. But millions of people, they, they live with fear. And the effects of war, like I said, you know, there's, there's kids that are homeless, that are, that are orphaned because of war. There's parents or, or, or people that are injured because of war. And we continue to live in an area where we have peace and we can, we can be peaceful about it. Last but not least, there are 51 countries or uh, over 3 billion people in this world that continue to live where Christians are persecuted for their faith. In the last 100 years, 70 million Christians have been killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. As many of you have heard, we were going to be going to India. We were planning to go to India this December to, uh, you know, to, to preach, to meet up with our missionaries that we support in India. We were really excited about it. But about three weeks ago, we got a call from the pastor that was going to be greeting us in the Chhattisgarh Narissa state. And he said, listen, Russell, you guys can come. And he said, listen, we'll organize the program for you. And, you know, most likely you will be safe. But he said, because the tension is so, so high against Christians right now, that when you leave, the pastors that you visited, their homes are going to be burned down. In the Rissa state, uh, which, is, which is the state right next to Chhattisgarh, where we support our missionaries, in the last couple of weeks, there have been 4,000 homes of Christians burned down. There have been Christians killed and murdered for their faith. At the same time, we can openly and freely uh, last week we had uh, we had a destination unknown with iChurch and guess where we went? We went to BOK Center and and we stood on the on the steps of the BOK Center and I opened the Bible and and we were doing a lesson in front of the BOK Center. Do you know that if there's 51 countries in the world today where you do that, you get imprisoned or killed? Take Saudi Arabia for example, where they often would chop off your hands if they if they see you holding the Bible. I want to remind you a little bit of the country I come from. My dad got his hands in his first New Testament at the age of 18. And he was one of the luckiest young men alive because he got a New Testament. My grandparents share stories that, that there were times when if somebody would bring a Bible, if somebody would have a real Bible, they, the church would, you know, a church would take it apart. And everybody would bring their part every Sunday and they would exchange it with other Christians. Because that was the only Bible they had. My grandparents, they grew up reading Bibles that were handwritten, not typed. 
I even remember growing up in a church, I don't remember seeing a hymnal that was typed up. All our hymnals were handwritten. Because there was nobody printing Bibles. If they were, they were being confiscated. People were being in prison. My grandpa, uh, when my mom was very young, authorities came to my grandpa's house. They found a Bible in his house and they took him to prison for eight years. You see, and, and there's millions of people living today that, that, are, that are suffering because, only because, they believe in Jesus Christ. While we continue to celebrate our faith freely in this country. And, and so my, my goal today, dear church, is, uh, you know, it was a good idea. I, I, think God did a, I think God gave a good idea for Israelites. You know, He said, listen, go to the tent. Spend a couple days there and realize that it's not so bad. It's not so bad. Listen, my challenge to you today, I want to give you two challenges in the end. One, dear church, as we approach Thanksgiving season, don't be complainers. It ain't so bad. Have a heart that's thankful. May this Thanksgiving season say, Lord, I, yeah, maybe, maybe it's a little bit, our economy's, you know, maybe it's a little bit as, not as good as it was a couple years ago, but God, I can, I can freely celebrate my faith. God, I don't have to worry about AIDS. God, I don't have to worry about bombs being thrown right here in our street. God, I don't have to worry about famine. We, got, we, we still have food. We have what we need. I hope this Thanksgiving season we, 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 don't, think, we don't take things for granted, but have a heart that's, that's thankful. And number two, I want to share this story. When I was in India... And we've been to India several times. I don't know if I shared this with you guys or not. But, you know, we would visit village churches. Most of the churches that we would visit, they don't have buildings. Most of the churches that we would visit were outside. They'd get a blanket, put it down on the ground, and, and that's how they would gather. The churches that we would visit, if, if there was a building, it was made up of, I, I'm just going to say, it was made up of cow poop. You know, I, I mean, they, they, they know how to use it, but they, but they would do whatever they did and, it, you know, it was just, it was kind of sad. But you know, and the pastors that we would visit, Indian pastors, they only get a bicycle after serving and being in ministry for over a year. So if you've been a pastor for less than a year, they don't, the mission doesn't buy you a bicycle yet. Because there's hundreds of pastors who've been pastoring over a year and they don't have a bicycle. And we would visit homes of people that, you know, they don't have beds. They, they, they sleep on the ground. But one thing that really touched me is when we would go into their church services, every church service that we would go into, as we would preach, as we would minister, at the end of the service, the minister would stand up and he said, listen, he would point to us and he'd say, these are missionaries. They're taking the gospel around the world. Let's take an offering for them. And I would watch when, when the people would bring the last coins and they would, they would put it in a plate. Some of the people didn't have coins, and so they would bring their rice. They would bring a rice. They, you know, some of the ladies would carry in a, in a, in a, in, a uh, in their dress, and they there was a, a plate up front, and they would bring that rice, and, and they we'd watch as they pour that rice into that plate. At the end of every church, as they, the pastor would count the money, and usually it turned out about a dollar in U.S. money how much they would gather for us. If it was a bigger church, probably a dollar fifty. 
pastor would bring us these money and they would, he would bring us a bag of rice. He said, listen, this is our seed into your ministry. Go and preach the gospel. Coming back from India, I, I couldn't treat a dollar the same. For us today, what is a dollar? When for an Indian church, that's a seed that they want to plant for the gospel to spread. So dear church, number one, be grateful for everything that we have. Number two, don't take things, don't take things for granted. Everything that we have, God gave us a purpose. We can, we can use it with a purpose. This is a missions focus month. What we do for missions is so amazing. And I'm so excited that we get to support these ministries. Listen, what you have, don't take it for granted. Use everything that you have to expand the kingdom of God. Be grateful for God. And, and I want to challenge you parents. Take some time, your kids, into a tent. I'm not talking about this kind of a tent. I'm talking about maybe take them some time to John 3.16. Maybe take them some time to an orphanage. Or, or uh, allow them to watch some kind of a program, maybe on television, where they see some of the people, you know, how poor they live. So the next time when your kids complain that they want the brand new video game, you can tell them, you know what, there's kids that today will go without a meal because they don't have it. All right. I want to call us to prayer. Can we bow our heads? Father, as we come before you today, uh, I honestly can just, I have no words, Father, why you chose us to live in such a country as America. Father, we, we really don't deserve, we did not deserve it. Because Father, we have, we are, we are the, some of the richest people in the world, having what we have. Our eyes have seen that which millions of people around the world have never seen or tasted. And so, Father, this morning, first I want to repent. That sometimes, Father, we, we take things for granted. We complain. When in reality, when you look at the world, and when you see that poverty, and when you see, when you look at India, or, or some of these other countries, and when you look at these, when you look at our country, America, and when you see all that complaining, your heart hurts. Because you realize that, Father, we, we often take things way too for granted and do not remain grateful. And Father, as today we enter this tent, I want to say, Father, You are so good. Thank You so much, Father, that we live in a country where, where we, we aren't going through famine. We live in a country where we, uh, most of us here don't have to deal with AIDS. Father, today we, we're not worried about a bomb or a shooting taking place outside of our house. Father, and today we can openly practice our faith and not be afraid that we're going to be locked up in a, in a prison or, 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 or we're going to be fined or our house is going to be burned because we proclaim You as our God. Father, thank You. Father, and I pray that each and every one of us may treat every dollar differently. Father, help us not to take every dollar for granted. But Father, see it as, as, as a seed, something that we can use to glorify Your name and to expand your kingdom. Father, bring us into focus. 
Father, not to be people who complain, but be the people who, who can live in a tent and realize that we are blessed. But we are blessed with a purpose. Thank you again, Father, for today. Thank you for every family in our church. Thank you for Pastor Harold and, and for everything that he does for our church. We, we bless Pastor Lord where he at, he's at with his family today. We bless every family in our church this week as they go forth into school, into their workplaces. I pray that you may bless them and help them, Father, accomplish everything that they need to accomplish. Father, I pray that each and every one of us this week may grow spiritually. And Father, help us this week to walk differently as people who've, who've lived seven days in a tent and who've just come out and will look at things and this world differently. Thank you, Father, that you are our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Don. Hopefully we will never close the service without offering an opportunity for someone who's never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So this, that offer stands today. It's always best to make a public confession, but if a, you know, the situation, if you just are too timid to do so, then we'll be glad to hear you in private. I appreciate the message today. If you, any of you ever listened to my prayer, <clears throat> usually you'll hear that prayer says, I hope you find us grateful this, for the day that you've given us. Gratefulness is something that God looks forward to very much because he's provided everything that we have. And if, if 